Hello and welcome to the live stream, multi-stream podcast of the Running with the Herd podcast powered up by Herd Nation, a part of the Rivals Network and sponsored by Mike Gwynn Insurance Agency. I'm the host and producer of the Running with the Herd podcast, Aaron Coleman, and I am joined by my special guest, head coach of the Marshall University Thundering Herd football team, Charles Huff. Coach Huff, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you having me on. Um, obviously, you guys do a phenomenal job covering uh, not only Marshall football, but Marshall athletics in general. So um, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, we certainly appreciate it. Appreciate your time. This is your third year with the program, Coach Huff. And uh, obviously, you know, this is your third installment of spring ball. And uh, obviously, it's an exciting time for not only you, but your staff. Just talk to me about how fast these three years have come and gone for you here at Marshall University. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, people say time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Um, obviously, um, the first year was a little bit different with COVID and, you know, getting the job a little bit later in the process and not really having a full recruiting class and the time to kind of, um, I won't say ease into the job, but kind of work your way in. Um, year two was good. We learned a lot. You know, there's been a lot of change in these two and a half plus years, um, not just for the football program, but Marshall in general. And I think when you look at where the university as a whole is going, it's definitely going in a positive direction. Um, luckily, we've been a part of that from a football perspective. I think regardless of if you like us, hate us, you know, want us to score more points, want us to win every game. I think what you can see is progress. Uh, I think you can see growth. I think you can see development. Um, it takes time. You know, uh, I, Coach Pruitt and I talk often, and he always says it's a lot easier when you got Randy Moss and Chad Pennington. But in, right. in the reality of it, you know, those are once-in-a-lifetime uh, players. You know, they, they don't come around every other year. You know, the reality is most of the years you have a combination of development, Recruiting transfer portal is now into play with that. Uh, it probably is a little more reflective of the old school junior college where you bring a guy in with a little more experience and kind of help you fill some gaps. But I think overall, I think, you know, the, the one thing that I'm, I'm pleased with is, is the progress. The one thing that I think we got to continue to do is take those steps. Um, nobody wants to take them faster than me, so I, I get it. But I also have to understand, you know, where we are um, in the grand scheme of things and areas where we need to improve. It's going to take a little bit longer in some areas. And in some areas we, we can take huge steps. And I think you've seen um, all of that in the first couple of years. Yeah, certainly. And uh, heading into uh, spring ball, and obviously it started yesterday for you. Um, I know that obviously you're looking for incremental growth with the whole team, but what position groups are you most focused on heading into spring practice as if you want to see the biggest leap from well, I think overall improvement is the key. And I think when you look at a team, um, there's going to be some positions that have older guys. And when I say older guys, that doesn't mean that they've played a lot, but they've been here longer, obviously. So their bodies are a little more developed. They understand the college game. And then there's going to be some positions where there's younger guys. Uh, and that, that may mean younger as in age in college or younger as just in playing experience. And I think what I'm looking for is overall improvement in general, right? Uh, Eli Neal and uh, Owen Porter are not going to grow leaps and bounds like, you know, Cole Pennington and 
AJ, AJ Turner, you know, the, the, the growth is going to be, but what you're looking for is overall growth. I think we have to um, find some answers of the pieces we've lost. I think we have to be aware it, it, we had some success last year, but it doesn't mean that it's just click your fingers and it happens again. So some of the young men who played sparingly last year are going to have to take bigger roles. I think replacing some of those players is probably where, you know, where you see where you would like to see the most growth. Um, and that may not be, you know, leaps and bounds, but at least to where you can feel like, hey, we're, we're comparable or we are close to where we traditionally have been in those areas. You know, secondary is a big one. We lost a lot of in the secondary linebacker. We lost a lot of veteran linebackers um, and D-line. You know, we, we lost some depth in that area. So some of the guys coming in at those positions on the deep side, defensive side of the ball are going to have to make some leaps and bounds. Offensively, you always want to see the offensive line improve because, again, it starts and ends up front. And then obviously the quarterback position, right? We, we, the, the better that player is, regardless of his last name, the better your football team is. Um, so seeing not only Cam improve, you know, from his um, last season, but also the freshman taking a step and finding out who's going to be that next guy or who has the ability to, to pass Cam. You know, I'm a true believer in, I, I don't, I'm not going to say coach speak, oh, it's open competition, the reality is there's guys returning with a lot more experience than others, but consistency is where you take someone's job. Um, not necessarily, oh, well, you made a better throw today. You made a better throw tomorrow. Overall, consistently, consistency. Who can be the most consistent um, as, as they perform is what we're looking for. Yeah, and uh, you talked about um, some of those leaders, some of those guys who have played a lot of ball in a martial uniform, guys like Owen Porter, Eli Neal. Just talk to me a little bit about what it's like to have those guys be an extension of you out there on the practice field. Because we, when you're talking about a position group like linebacker, Eli Neal's played a lot of ball for you guys. But when you have like a guy like Keyshawn Brown coming in from App State, a transfer, he's got not only a leader in the linebacking room, but also as a team leader. I mean, just talk to me a little bit about what it's like just having that extension of you out there on the football field when it comes to your veteran players. Well, I, I, I'm an extension of them. You know, I tell them all the time, this is, this is their team. Uh, we will be as good as they decide to be. Uh, Coach Huff can't tackle, can't run, can't block anybody anymore. Um, so we'll be as good as they decide to be. And what they become is they become the standard. They become the point to them as, hey, younger guys, new guys, you know, follow their lead, not necessarily play like them, but how they prepare, how they work, how um, they do things off the field, how they attend class, how they are involved in the community. Um, and when you can have your better players be your better leaders, you usually have good leadership. Um, you know, in, in sports, people listen to the people that make plays. You know, you can have a guy on the bench that does everything right and gets all A's and, and runs really hard. But if he's, he's not physically gifted or he's not making plays, it's hard for that young man to kind of to kind of lead. Um, when you have those guys like an uh, Eli, you know, who's played a lot of football, seen the ups and downs. Um, those guys are able to kind of, you know, say, hey, this is how we do things. Um, and they, it's it's an immediate respect thing. You know, everyone respects Owen Porter. Everyone respects Eli Neal, not only because of what he says, but what he does. And, and I yep. think with this age group, it's a little bit different. You know, it's not the old do what I say. It's kind of do what I do. Um, and, and that's where the respect piece comes in, especially with, you know, their their, their teammates. Um, you know, coaches respect guys who 
go to class, you know, do the right thing, great community guys. Players respect guys who make plays and, and, and consistently make plays. And I think for those guys that have that type of level of respect means that obviously they're doing something right consistently because you can have a, a guy who makes a lot of plays, but if he's doing the wrong thing on Friday and Saturday night, everyone's kind of like, eh, you, you, you fake. Um, but when you, when you are doing the right things and you are honest and you are real and you are genuine and you're able to make plays, players gravitate to that. And I think that's what Eli does for us. Certainly. And uh, Josh Dowers, uh, my co-host in the Running with the Herd podcast, chiming in live from his car. He's in a little bit of a traffic jam right now. He hey, says Co- he must be on 64 up there by the mall. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know where he's at right now, but he has a question for you. He says, uh, Coach, what have you seen from the guys that are returning in the wide receiver room as well as the newcomers? That's one of the rooms that he's most interested in this spring. Well, a couple of things. One, I think consistency has has, has definitely gone up. And, and you're talking about a group that's a year older. Um, as the season went on last year, we lost some critical pieces that we thought would be consistent, you know, for us pieces. Um, you know, McMillan went down with an injury early in the year. Yeah. Um, Talik Keaton got hurt later in the year, uh, which forced a guy like Chuck Montgomery to kind of have to step up. Um, this year, bringing those guys back and having the experience of a Jaden Harrison, Chuck Montgomery, um, Brian Robinson is starting to do some really good things. We expected him to have a really good year last year. Um, those guys coming back is, is really good. Um, and then you add in a couple of the young guys who redshirted last year, you know, Cam Pedro, who's a legacy here, um, has done some good things now with his second year under his belt, as far as, you know, his second semester under his belt, Caleb Coombs a young man that you know, was in our first signing class who's starting to show some flashes of consistency. So I think that would be the biggest um, excitement piece as you're starting to see a little bit more consistency. You know, you saw it in spurts. Um, but again, when you're talking about freshmen and younger guys, you know, every rep is new. Now they understand what it's like to prepare. They know how they got to take care of their body. They know it's not like high school where I can just go out and run the plays and you know, remember them on Saturday. You, you got to know the playbook, you know, what happens when the coverage changes, what happens when um, there's a pressure, you know, whatever it may be. I think the biggest piece to all of that is going to be, you know, the quarterback's performance. It's hard to catch a ball that they don't throw to you. It's, it's really hard. Um, so the quarterback being more comfortable with those guys, you know, those guys were, kind of back and forth on the twos and the, you know, the scout team throughout the year with Caleb Coombs and, and Cam Pedro. Um, some of the younger guys, you know, like Chuck Montgomery didn't get a lot of reps with Cam because of, you know, rotating with Henry. So I think that continuity and, and that uh, comfort level from the quarterback position to the wide receiver room is going to help us have a more productive year for sure. If you got a question for coach, don't hesitate to chime in on both Facebook and Twitter. We are live streaming on both of those platforms right now. You can follow Running with the herd at R with the herd. You can follow Coach Huff. He's all over social media. I really like that gif of a sting dropping in from the ceiling. You know, uh, it is WCW days. It's like we're ready to start spring ball and uh, Sting's ready to, uh, you know, open up a can on somebody. And I really like that gif, by the way. I just wanted to let you know that. I appreciate that. I, I, I struggle. I, I'm not a huge, uh, I, I'm, I'm very, uh, limited in my social media uh, knowledge. Um, but I think what fans got to remember, I, I got two platforms to serve, right? I got the fans and I've got 
um, all of our followers. And then I also got the recruits, you know, so a lot of yeah. the stuff that we post, tweet, send out or whatever is more driven to the recruits. Okay. Um, I love the fans. I really do. Um, but the fans are going to love Marshall, whether we tweet something every day or not. Um, the recruit that may be three hours away, four hours away, may only see the Marshall M or hear about Marshall when we're tweeting information. So a lot of times, you know, not to displease the fans, but a lot of times the stuff we produce is more driven towards trying to get that recruit in Cleveland, Ohio or Akron or Cincinnati's attention. Yeah. Um, more of the, you know, you could say Florida and those type of areas, but just more of the kids that, you know, before you know it, you blink, you're like, wow. I didn't know we were two hours away from Marshall, three hours away from Marshall. I didn't know they had, um, you know, Randy Moss who went there. I didn't know they had, you know, a really good softball team that's playing. You know, so a lot of the things we do from the football perspective is kind of driven to kind of get their attention. And the more I learn, one, I'm getting old. And two, um, they get a lot of their information off social media. And that's just the reality of it, is where we are in the world. Um, For you know, sure. We try to cater to the fans, too. And that's why I kind of try to like to do these type of platforms where you can ask some open and honest questions. Um, but we try to serve both, which is difficult. Right. It's difficult because we live in a uh, community that's probably a little more relational than it is uh, Twitterverse. Mm-hmm. But Twitterverse has kind of made its way into our world. You know, so we got to kind of play, you know, we got to play both sides of the fence, which sometimes, you know, fans are like, well, what does that matter? Well. To a 16-year-old kid, it, it's a lot. It means <laughs> you know, a whole really lot. Their attention, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it certainly does. And uh, speaking of Ohio, speaking of Cleveland, I mean, obviously with Ohio being a top-five football state, in my opinion, uh, one of the guys that's coming back for you is a Cleveland native and uh, a guy that's uh, certainly made a name for himself in the Kelly Green and White, and that's, of course, Rasheen Ali. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how he's been doing as far as his um, road back from uh, the 2022 season and just what he's uh, what he's done so far. Yeah, well, you know, and, and obviously I know everyone was, you know, so I'll back up. I'll give you guys some exclusive information. I know everybody was kind of like, again, <laughs> the Twitterverse, right? Everyone's kind of like, well, what happened to Ali? He must have mental health issues. He's, he's off the reservation. A lot of what we did was, one, protecting him and protecting our season. Uh, when he did get injured, we weren't sure if it was going to be a couple weeks. We weren't sure if it was going to be the season. We weren't sure, you know, we weren't exactly sure. Obviously, medical things, you know, it takes time to kind of diagnose. Right. Then once he got the diagnosis, his family had to do some processing, you know, okay, which, you know, which lane do we go? Do we, you know, have a surgery and sit out the year? Do we, you know, let him rehab? So there's a lot of things that go into that. Well, while that's going on, I don't want our opponents knowing that they don't have to prepare for 22. Like I know a lot of people don't think it matters, but it does. You know, when we it start most certainly game, matters. Yeah. When we start game planning, if we know that their best player on the other team is out, that changes the entire game plan. Um, and it, it waves confidence. Right. So you, you talk about, you know, some of the games that we played, if, if we knew their best player was out, that changes the confidence on our side. That changes how we, um, defend them. That changes how we attack them. That changes how we prepare. Um, so we didn't want to necessarily give our opponents that type of information before we knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of why the, the 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 message came out. Hey, Ali is going to step away from the you know team for a while. Which, if I'm an opponent, does that mean he's coming back this week, next week? You'd be surprised at how many 
uh, opposing coaches were digging, is Ali back this week? Hey, is Ali going to be back next week? Hey, is Ali going to be here this week? Um, so it, it's it's real. I know some of the fans don't think that, you know, people actually scout and, you know, try and dig and get information, but we do. Um, so that was kind of the protection of him. Um, secondly, I think, and, and this is, you know, he and I have had this conversation over, over um, multiple times, probably the injury was probably the best thing that happened to him um, because what it did what it did was it forced him to kind of step away from success and really evaluate how you're successful in life, doing the little things, focusing on taking care of your body, focusing on self, uh, focusing on self-confidence, right? Because all of a sudden you're talking about a young man who just jumped on the scene with five touchdowns. It's kind of like the person that goes to the lottery and goes to the you know corner store and hits the lottery. Well, they don't have any financial planning. They don't have any, um, you know, awareness of how to manage money. They just know I just won $10 million. Right. So if you're not careful, sometimes, you know, having that immediate success, you, you lose focus on what it takes to be successful. You lose focus on how to manage that money. You know, do I put some aside? Do I give some to my family? Do I go buy 10 new cars? Um, So what, what the injury really did was it helped him kind of step back and say, okay, Right now, I physically can't play the game, but there are some mental pieces to the game that I can really dive into. And that's what he did. He really dove into learning football, learning defenses, learning how certain fronts and coverages played and how he could manipulate them with certain movements. Um, He really dove into the the value of self-belief, you know, because all of a sudden now you're talking about the guy everybody was patting on the back when he got five touchdowns and then he's injured and is questioning, is he going to be the same? Will he come back? Will he be the same guy? Um, we live in a world where mental health is real. And yeah. if you don't strengthen your mind and you don't strengthen your self-belief and confidence, you know, the world can beat you up. I mean, you know, fans is, is, is short for fanatics you know, because they are, they're super, you know, up and super down. That's just natural because of what they are. Um, so, him having that injury gave him time to step back. It gave him time to really evaluate, okay, how do I better myself when I can't necessarily play the game? Um, he really dove into his faith. You know, he's a huge, um, his, his family is a huge believer in the Muslim, you know, belief. Um, sure. So he really dove into his faith. He really dove into, and he went through, you know, obviously we all do, right? You, you get injured and you go through that period, you know, why am I getting injured? Why did it happen? You question um, things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he battled through that and he, you know, dove deeper into his faith. He became a better team leader. Um, He became a better um, student of the game. Um, And then obviously you got a chance to see when he came back at the end of the year, physically, he still, you know, has the tools. But I told him, I said, honestly, it was probably the best thing that happened to you because sometimes when you jump right into success, you really don't learn how to be successful. You just know, well, I scored five touchdowns. Every time I touch the ball, I could score a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, right. I think it's going to be a positive form. Obviously, you know, you don't want injury to happen to anybody, and I'm not wishing that on him or anybody else. But sure. sometimes, you know, the the things happen in life to help you be ready for the rest of life, if that makes sense. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, sometimes you got to go through a little adversity and a little bit of uh, other things going sideways a little bit before you could really experience what it truly means to be successful. So, you know, I I definitely agree with that. Uh, Josh has another question for you. He says, coach, you have a new DC this season with coach Seymour. 
What can you tell the fans about his approach to the game and how his philosophies mesh with what you want to do defensively? Yeah, well, when I was with Coach Saban, um, you know, I learned, you know, whenever you have coaching changes and, and anybody who follows sports, um, there, there's coaching changes at the University of Alabama every year. Um, but they still find a way to, you know, continue to be successful. Obviously, recruiting and players has a lot to do with that. But um, we will always keep our systems the same. We may have a different variation or a different version of the system. But system wise, we've recruited to certain models on both sides of the ball. Um, so we're always going to live in those same families. So Coach Seymour is in the same family as Coach Guidry. Now, um, I said in my press conference, it's kind of like, you know, making pizza. You know, if Lance Guidry was Pizza Hut and Coach Seymour is Papa John's, you know, they, they both make pizza, but they're they're a little bit different, you know, a little bit yeah. different flavor, a little bit different approach, um, a little bit different model. You know, so some of the presentations and what we do will be a little bit different. Um, Coach Seymour is a little more cerebral um, as far as, you know, dissecting the, the exact movements and intricacies of the defense and explaining that to the players. Um, he's obviously had experience on this level, you know, with being at, you know, Montana, being at Valdosta State, being at uh, Georgia Tech, um, you know, being at Temple. He was at Temple for a while. Being at those places gives you different experiences, you know, because you're not always playing with the best, the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. Um, but you still got to be able to be sound on defense. You still got to be able to teach. Um, and then the player still got to be able to execute. So I think what you'll see will look very similar, but there's going to be some wrinkles that that obviously, you know, if, if if you close your eyes, you probably wouldn't know if you're eating a Papa John's pizza or a Pizza Hut pizza, but you would still yeah. say it's pizza. Um, and and that's, that's who we're going to be. So I, I'm excited about him. The kids have, 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 have gravitated to him. Um, you know, the comfort in knowing, you know, that the, the base systems are going to be similar. Um, he's also done a very good job of coming in and saying, okay, what did you do well? What can we keep? What do we need to add? Um, how do we build off of what we've already done? And being able to say, okay, hey, here's a, a twist or, you know, a, a curveball here that based on what we've done in the past will allow us to have some advantages. Yeah, and uh, one of the rooms that's definitely stood out to me as far as a, a room that uh, comes in with some experience, but also has a lot of new faces as well, is the offensive line room. And uh, obviously, as a former offensive lineman yourself, you know, it all starts and ends up front. And uh, talk to me a little bit about some of those guys who uh, return, who are leaders for you, and also some of the young guys who are going to come in and challenge for playing time. Yeah, well, you know, when we first got here, you know, we had a lot of we had we had some veteran guys, but we also had a lot of talent, unproven talent behind them. You know, I think when we first got here, Ethan Driscoll had just walked off the basketball court and he was just learning how to play football. And now he's going into year three. You know, you talk about a guy like Logan Osborne, who's a local kid who's um, who's played a lot of football here. You know, Trent Holler came in last year, played a lot of football for us. Um, Dalton Tucker, he and Owen Porter have been here since the flood, um, you know, so they've played a lot of football here. Um, and then you get a chance and on our first, you know, our first full recruiting class, we felt like we went out and got, um, you know, five offensive linemen who would really have a chance to develop, you know, and that's the key, right? You know, especially at that position, you don't, usually don't come in out of high school and walk right on the field as an old lineman. Um, you know, Tariq Montgomery, Jalen Slappy, you know, Trent Frayerly, um, you know, um, Eric Meeks, you know, those were some of the young guys that we brought in 
who redshirted, you know, last year kind of played in some, you know, one or two plays in some, in some games where we had an advantage, um, you know, played a little bit, um, you know, through the, through last spur through the spring, this spring, they're doing well, um, changed their bodies drastically in the fourth quarter program with coach, uh, coach BA. Um, they were guys who were, you know, last year we felt like we had six guys that could go in the game, you know, seven, maybe, but they were probably eight, nine, and 10, you know, kind of in the rep situation. So, you know, when the twos went in during the season, although they may not play, they got a lot of reps. Um, now, you know, they're the guys that are competing for those starting spots, which is good. Um, right now, you know, and today is, you know, early March, right? Everybody's O and O, but we feel like we have eight or nine quality um, options at O-line. And if we can get into the season with eight or nine quality options, um, that's going to help us be able to sustain the, the, the type of schedule that we have. Yeah, certainly. And uh, when you switch to the other side of the ball and you talk about the DBs, I mean, obviously, DB, you lost some uh, quality players there. When you lose Gilmore, you lose uh, some other quality pieces as well. Andre Sam, Isaiah Norman. And then you also have some returning guys like Micah, who's one of your team leaders as well on that back end of the ball. And also you bring in a, a young man who really started to assert himself towards the latter part of the year, especially in that App State game. And that was uh, Dayton Wody Smith there. And uh, you talk about guys like that. Talk a little bit about the DB room and how those guys have started to kind of assimilate themselves into the defense because in my opinion db is probably the second hardest position to play in football besides quarterback and there's there's a lot going on there yeah you know i i think um if someone asked me you know how you think you're going to be this year i think i think we're going to be different you know and i and i think it's a good different you know i think we probably are going to be more flexible in the back end um we're going to be a little more athletic when i say flexible meaning we're going to have three or four guys that can play multiple positions. You know, you take mm -hmm. a guy like um, Dayton, Dayton Smith, you know, he can play corner, he can play star, he can play safety. Uh, you take a guy like carry on Martin, you know, who came back off an injury from the first year and kind of played and, and played a little bit last year. He can play safety. He can play star. Um, you take a guy <clears throat> like, um, you know, uh, last year, J.D. McKnight came in and played, you know, some 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 safety for us. You know, he can play some multiple positions. Obviously, Micah could play multiple positions. So we'll be different. You know, last year we were a little bit more, you know, kind of Micah and Gilmore were the kind of, you know, stay at home corners. And we moved, you know, Andre Sam around his safety on uh, and Norman played some safety for us. But this year, I think we're going to have a little more flexibility. Uh, which hopefully should give us one a little more competition at each spot, and then two, it should allow us not to be in a situation where you know as the, as the season goes on, we don't feel like we get depleted, um, and, and that's the beauty of it. the The other part of it is when you keep the system similar, a guy like Dayton Smith and you know Carry uh, on Martin, who played sparingly last year, those reps carry over, you know, from an experience standpoint, you know. So now they're not necessarily learning a new language. They're just learning the slang of an old language, which is, you know, which is good for them because now they can kind of assimilate some of the terminology and some of the things we're doing that are new to some of the things that we did were old. So I think that's going to help them. Um, obviously, Micah, you know, I, I'd be surprised if anybody even throws his side of the field this year. Um, but, you know, obviously <laughs> Micah is a guy that's going to be able um, to, to play off of his experiences and his leadership. He's another guy who, 
um, leads by example because of his consistency and his play. Um, you know, so I think what's going to happen for us is we're going to be different, you know, especially in the back end. Um, but I think it can be a good different because we'll have some flexibility. We'll be able to move some guys around. We'll be able to play some different packages, uh, which I think will help us moving forward. Another underrated position uh, that last year had a six-year senior was uh, Devin Miller in the tight end room. And obviously he departs and you bring in a new group of guys. What have you seen from the tight end room that would lead you to believe that they could be a, a quality receiving option for uh, Cam or whoever is the quarterback for Marshall University? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we saw some flashes last year of, of we call him Poca Payne, you know, Toby Payne. Um, I think we saw some flashes of what he would be able to be. You know, obviously he's um, he's still learning. He's young. This spring is going to be huge for him. But he, he saw some flashes. Um, Ramad Smith, you know, who transferred in from FAU last year and was kind of battling back for an injury. He's, he's back moving a lot better than he was, you know, we signed Sean Salas out of high school who was a 400 meter, you know, hurdle champion in, in Texas, you know, so he can do some things down the field. Um, so I think what we're going to see is going to be a kind of a collection of a group of guys, um, a little bit different than the Devin Miller. And that's kind of, you know, people say, well, how are you going to be, well, we're going to be different. Um, you know, Devin Miller was kind of, you know, we called him the big fundamentals. You know, he did everything. You know, he just kind of did everything right. Um, you know, but we'll be different. So we'll have a group of guys that I think will be able to give us the production that we needed that position rather than one. A lot to be excited about when you're talking about herd spring football. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to join us. I certainly appreciate it. And we'll probably try to catch up with you after spring ball is uh you know, concluded with the spring game and everything. And uh, best of luck to you guys moving forward. Go Herd. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you guys and look forward to seeing everybody out at the spring game and uh, continue to, to support uh, Herd softball and Herd baseball because they're doing a phenomenal job right now. And then just hiring a new women's basketball coach. A lot of positive going on at Marshall. So you should wake up every day with a little brighter smile on your face for the future is going to be bright in the green. Certainly. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Go hurt. And that was head coach of the Marshall University Thundering Herd, Charles Huff, joining us in the live stream multi-stream podcast. Also, special thanks to Josh Stowers, my co-host, who had uh, chimed in with his questions as well. You can catch this interview on YouTube a little bit later today, but you can also catch it on all of our streaming platforms, including TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. For Coach Charles Huff, for Josh Stowers, I'm Aaron Coleman saying so long. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Herd.